Good morning, everyone. We're continuing on with our series through Ephesians, looking at who we are in Christ. Today, we're going to be looking at what it means to be alive in Christ and how this change comes about. But first, let me just tell you a story. I'm sure you've had those moments where you meet someone and they seem to know you, but you have no idea who they are. Well, a situation like that happened to me recently. An auntie came to visit and my mum introduced her to me like Dana. This is your auntie. And I'm standing awkwardly in my living room. My mum is giving me that look like, don't embarrass me today. And so I just smile and very politely said, ah, good afternoon, auntie. Nice to see you. And one of the first things she said was, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much you've changed. Now, I still had no idea who this woman was, but she knew me, or at least a younger version of me. The person I was when she last saw me is different to who I am now. I'm taller, I'm older, and many other things I wasn't before. I'm sure you're not the same person you were 10 years ago too, or even a year ago. We change. Maybe your children are growing and changing, or maybe you've realised that you yourself are not a child anymore and haven't been for a long time. Change is all around us. We change our clothes. We change our minds about things. Trees transform from being fully blossomed in the spring to orange and almost bare in the winter and autumn. The weather changes, especially our British weather. One minute it's a heat wave a couple of weeks ago and now it's sunshine. Well, at least today, it's sunshine with a little bit of grey and the, the rain is threatening. <laughs> Change happens all around us and a lot of it is out of our control. But the most permanent change that we could ever experience is the change from being separated from God to being in relationship with him. The most significant transformation that you could ever experience is being transformed from death to life. Well, we're up to Ephesians chapter two this week. And now this is really a continuation of what we heard last week from Stuart about how God raised Jesus and seated him in the heavenly realms. And now this is what today's passage says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now that sounds quite intense, doesn't it? Well, Paul goes on to say, But because of his great love for us, God, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Wow, there's a lot in there. And for that reason, I will only cover three main points today. Before, after, and why. So before, before we're in Christ, Paul says we were dead. But what does it mean for someone to be dead in this context? Well, literally, if you see a dead body, you can poke it, you can talk to it, but it's not going to respond unless it's alive, will it? Well, it's the same in the spiritual sense. I mean, have you ever shared the gospel with someone and they've not really responded? Well, that's an element of being dead in a spiritual sense. Put simply, spiritual death is separation from God because of our sin. And it sounds a bit harsh, though, to say that, doesn't it? That without God, we're dead. Maybe you think this is just Paul being dramatic here, that there isn't that much wrong with us. You have colleagues, friends, neighbours who are lovely people, and I am sure that is true. But when we think about the world we live in, we see how sin doesn't only affect our relationship with God, but also with others. We see that racism leads to so many lives, especially young boys being lost, that many of our young people face cyberbullying and as a result experience anxiety, depression and in many cases thoughts of suicide. Even when we look to the past and how around 75 million people died in World War II, the majority of which were civilians, by the way. With these in view, we see quickly how when left to our own devices, sin leads to chaos and destruction and ultimately death. Even Adam and Eve disobeyed God and we still find ourselves doing the very same thing they did today. I mean, you don't need to teach a child to disobey you, do you? It just comes naturally. As humans, we've made a very good case for ourselves that there is something deeply wrong and we're desperately in need of rescue, yet powerless to do that for ourselves. And please hear me, this rescue is not only needed for those who start wars or the people that write hateful abuse on social media, but that rescue is for all of us. That rescue is for you and for me. If you're a believer, at one time, all of us were spiritually dead and separated from God. Whether you grew up in church or have a more dramatic story, this was the state for all of us. You were dead. I was dead. But that was before God intervened. It was before God initiated his rescue plan through Christ. And as we go through the text, we move from the worst things about humans to the best things about God. If separation from God is death, then surely closeness with him is life. Where before we were dead and powerless to follow his way, now we can because Christ is in us. You know, we're kind of like microwaves. A microwave can be beautiful, made of quality materials, but if it's not plugged into the source of electricity or life, as it were, it can't do what it was made for. It's dead. But when the microwave is connected, it's alive, and the electricity flows through the microwave. It powers the lights and enables the buttons to function. Every wire and magnet is infused with a current. It becomes useful, and its potential can be fulfilled. This is what it's like being in Christ. But thank God that he is much more powerful than electricity and much more personal and much more close. So close that when we know him, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. 
In verse 6, it says we're seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. And so just as we read last week that Jesus was raised and seated at the Father's hand in the heavenly realm, so we read here that that's also where we are, because we're in Christ. Now, seated in the heavenly realms, it's kind of strange wording. It can be hard to get your head around it, but it isn't some strange, meaningless thing or Paul just being airy-fairy. Actually, this is a solid truth for our everyday life. Yes, we are here physically, that's true. You're actually sitting in your chair or in your living room, that's not a lie. But in the unseen world of a spiritual reality, we're sat in a place of honour and dignity that we did not earn. You know, I don't know your story. Maybe you've been dishonoured in some way or denied dignity. Maybe a loved one hasn't been honest or faithful to you or you've been laughed at or bullied. Or maybe you've been taken for granted or simply overlooked. But brothers and sisters, God has removed the stench of death from you. He has brought you out of a place of shame and disgrace and he has raised you and seated you in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are ordinary people, but we have been changed by Jesus. We have been raised by Jesus. And so if you're a believer this morning, why don't you just say out loud with me, repeat after me, I am not the same. In Christ, I am changed. Jesus has raised me to a place of honour and dignity. Well done. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So before God intervened, we were dead. But after, we're alive and seated in a place of honour and dignity in the heavenly realms. We know even when it may feel like our old way of life is still trying to cling to us, being alive is who we are. And our fears, our struggles, it cannot change that. No, being moved from death to life, it happens in a moment. In fact, it's only a prayer away. And if you want to give your life to Jesus so that you receive his life, please do contact our prayer team. There'll be more details later on in the meeting. So before we're spiritually dead and after we're alive, but how did we get here? Why did we get here? Read with me in verse 4. It says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I've started baking recently. I've only really baked two things so far, but I've started nonetheless. I thought I'd give making banana bread a go because it seemed like that's what everyone else has been doing over lockdown. I'm not sure it's still cool anymore. Anyway, (laughs) I had all the ingredients and I more or less followed the recipe, but I'm more of a using my discretion kind of cook rather than closely following a recipe. So to my own faults, the reward of the banana bread, it was not what I'd planned. You know, I had fun making it, following my instincts, doing what I thought was right, putting in the work, but it didn't turn out perfect. You know, it's the same with our faith. God doesn't require us to 
to create our own salvation. You can't anyway if you're dead. But it's like Jesus came and made the banana bread for us and he invites us to eat it with him. We're saved by grace through faith. It's God's gift. And all we have to do is receive it. You know, it's amazing that we're seated in a place of honour and dignity and that we're spiritually alive, but we did not get ourselves here. No amount of Bible reading or church attendance or kindness to others, no amount of really going for it in worship or even preaching made God save us, nor does it make him love us anymore. It's by grace we've been saved. It's his gift. There's so much freedom in that. If sin and death are badly fitting, tight clothing that makes it a struggle to breathe, then life and relationship with God is a baggy, spacious t-shirt where you can breathe and move freely. Friends, he has margin for mercy and he makes space for grace. There's a quote I read recently that said, justice is getting what you deserve, mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's just quite a nice way of putting it. In verse four, we read of our God who is rich in mercy. You know, when we believe in Jesus, he doesn't give us the wrath we deserve because of our sin. And he doesn't only stop there, but he also gives us what we don't deserve. Forgiveness of every sin, salvation and a life in relationship with the creator of the universe. It's like going to a very expensive restaurant, like a Michelin star restaurant, and running up the bill, eating everything on the menu to your heart's content, only to find out that you have no way of paying. Imagine the shame. Well, mercy is the owner of the restaurant showing you compassion and saying you don't need to pay. But grace, grace is the owner of the restaurant paying for your meal and then continuing to pay for every meal you ever eat at his restaurant again. Even in our deepest debt, our deepest darkness, when we look to Jesus, he says, I will not give you the punishment you deserve. And better yet, I've paid for it with my own blood on the cross. Even when we tried to keep God out of the picture, he won't stay out of the picture. It's his nature to get involved. But why did he do this? Why go through all of this for humans who time and time again have chosen their own way? Why come and die for people who are already dead, living in rebellion and separation from God? Or Paul gives reason after reason why God has done this. Because of his great love for us by grace, because of God who is rich in mercy, it is the gift of God. There are just so many attempts to describe the hugeness of God's care for and commitment to human beings expressed in his action on the cross. It is hard to grasp, let alone measure. I remember reading this book when I was younger Maybe you read it to your kids or you read it when you were young. It's called Guess How Much I Love You by Sam McBratney. And in this book, you have big nut brown hair and little nut brown hair. And they try to compare how much they love each other. And big nut brown hair, he always one-ups uh, little. And so starting off quite small, they say they love each other wider than this much, higher than they can reach, further than the rivers and the hills. And at the end, Big Nut Brown Hair says he loves Little right up to the moon and back, which is quite sweet. And in a way, we're kind of like Little Nut Brown Hair. 
any love that we have for God, his is infinitely wider and further and longer and deeper than ours. In fact, he loves us so much, much more than just to the moon and back. He loves us so much that while we're still powerless to do anything, while we're living in sin and in rebellion against him, while we're dead, he comes and he dies on a cross for us, atoning for our sins and he rises, defeating death and ascends above every power that attempts to bind us in slavery. And he brings us with him, loving us before we even understood the meaning of the word, loving us in the now and continuing to do so for eternity. Don't ever believe the lie that says God is stingy in mercy or lacking in love. He is rich and he is generous and it's because of his generosity that we live. It's by grace we're saved and this is not from ourselves but because of his great love for us. And he did this, it says, in order that in the coming ages, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. So not only are we alive now and get to live in relationship with God in this age, but God is so rich in mercy that in the age to come, the grace he has shown us now, he will continue to show us throughout eternity. If you are in Christ, all your tomorrows sing of grace. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you will be saved by grace. In five years' time, you will be saved by grace. Your dying breath, it will be by grace. And in a thousand, ten thousand years, his grace will not have run out for you. And just imagine with me for a moment, standing before God on that last day. When we'll know joy unimaginable and, see, unimaginable and see him face to face, I don't believe there will be boasting. I don't think anyone will say, look how much of a good person I was. I think in one sense we'll be speechless, but in another sense, all we could say is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace. It is by grace we're saved and this is not from ourselves. And so just as we come to end in a moment, I know for some of us this isn't new to our ears, but it's good news. And we need to hold on to this, I know I do. <laughs> no, the most significant change that we could ever experience is the change from death to life. So before, before we were dead, separated from God and in sin, but now because of Jesus we're alive rescued and raised up to a place of honour and dignity and relationship with God because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sin. Alive in Christ, it's the truth of who we are. And if that's not true of you this morning, it can be. It can be. Church family, there is life and beauty in these verses. This God, our God, is one who loves greatly, who has abundant mercy and grace. There's so much in these passages that I can't cover this morning. So a challenge for you guys. Spend some time this week, maybe every day, to read this passage out loud or listen to it on audio Bible. And just let it influence how you live. 
Let it teach you about who you are as someone who is alive in Christ. And let it point you to the generous, glorious mercy of our God. Thank you.